This episode is brought to you by the hilarious novel FIFO by Aaron Weston, available on Aaron Weston Author Instagram account. Alright, enjoy the show! Hi everyone and welcome to the Aaron White Show and I'm your host, Aaron. Today we have a fantastic guest, Christina, aka Serb. Serb grew up in Montenegro and lived there through two wars before coming to Australia at the age of 18, where she was unable to speak our language. She has since become a St. John's Ambulance Officer and a Trainer Assessor on a gold mine here in Western Australia. Welcome to the show, Serb. Hello, Erin. How are you going today? Fantastic, thanks. We might start back in Montenegro. Can you please tell me what it was like growing up there and about these two wars? Yeah, and so I've grown up in uh, Montenegro, like you mentioned. Um, it's a small um, country um, in uh, Southern Europe. Um, we, um, it's, it's actually a really beautiful country. Um, and um, we, the population, uh, for those that don't know, um, it's actually less than a million people in the whole country. So about 600, 700 people um, living in the whole place. Um, and um, being so small, you know, we, uh, I guess we are kind of, we always were at risk of, um, you know, potentially being attacked, um, you know, from, from different countries and, and being invaded, uh, which has happened in the past for us. So uh, one of the facts, um, I'm not sure, you know, how, how well you'd know, but, um, we um, we were under like Turks for about 500 years um, and we managed to get out of that and then um, I was born in 87 so um, it was kind of quite peaceful back then when I was born um, but in 1991 um, that's when the first war started I would have been four years at the time and um, um, it was it was war based on it, it, the war was happening between um, Serbians and Croatians, um, and it was called Yugoslavia back then because um, uh, there was few of us countries, um, you know, together. So um, unfortunately, the war started based on you know different political views, different um, religions, and so forth. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of a lot of innocent people died. Um, during that war um, so it lasted for about uh, four or five years give or take um, there was a lot of culmination you know prior to the actual start of the war in 1991 and then um, you know post-war um, but I was I would have been four to eight years so I would not remember um, kind of a lot of things um, from that war I do I do remember um, you know, my family was quite in distress um, during that time, and um, yeah, it was it was um, you know hard times. I've lost one of my uncles actually during that war, so um, it was a bit of a, a bit of a hard time for for my family, um, to be honest, um, during that time. But nothing um, significant that I remember, and and um, fortunately, you know, my immediate family um, they. We, we all made it through, you know, nobody died. But like I said, I did lose one of my uncles, um, which was actually, um, yeah, a um, really, really bad thing for, for my family. Um, um, after that, I guess after the, the whole war finished, you know, the, the active war, um, there was obviously uh, post-war, you know, um, things which everybody had to deal with, I guess. Um, and a lot of people started... Um, you know, going off to different countries, you know, going away into the Europe, you know, 
running away basically from from you know their hometown because it was just basically ruins you know that were left behind um and the whole you know economy was affected by everything everything you can think of you know under the sun uh, would have been affected by it so um yeah I, I was i would have been in primary school i guess uh when um when all that finished um uh like i said it was beautiful growing up uh, my family was actually at the time we were quite well off um you know in terms of where we stood you know uh, economically um, my father used to travel like to italy turkey we had a couple of boutiques he would bring all sorts of like different designer clothing into the boutique um, different perfumes so there was a couple of things you know which we were doing so we were quite well off but unfortunately after that first war we did start um kind of going towards almost being you know on the verge of being very poor and and struggling with money um so we lived in a city and then after the war we unfortunately had to move um into the suburbs um where we had a house um, where, which my grandfather built and um we started living there unfortunately because living in a city wasn't something we were able to afford anymore so um yeah and then in when i was about 12 years old this was in 1999 um we got bombarded by nato which i'm sure you would have heard of um before and we in 1999 they um nato actually started bombarding us um on the east i believe it or not um which was obviously strategically planned on their behalf um i was 12 years old um when that happened and i do remember um all the 74 days um, that's how long um the bombarding lasted um i do remember all 74 days of that um and everything that they've done to us so can you um, tell me more about that like so during those 74 days were you was we like walking down the streets and seeing bombs dropped or buildings blown up can you Tell me what that was like. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'll tell you about the NATO. So, just if you don't know, so NATO is obviously, um, I'm sure you know, American organization for those people that don't know. But um, that year on 1999, they were basically celebrating their 50th year anniversary. However, they were on the verge um, of basically falling apart as an organization and they had to do something um which was basically kill um innocent civilians um to show the world that they still got it you know to to, to, to sum it up um, nice and short so unfortunately like i said being a small country you know we were um we were basically under the attack of them uh for no reason whatsoever um, other than them trying to prove to the world that they've, they're somebody, that they've got the power. Um, and um, they started bombarding us on Easter. I mean, you know how important the Easter is, I think, in every, in every culture that celebrates Easter. I'm Orthodox, um, but I'm just um, slightly different than Catholic. So Easter is quite important thing, just like, you know, it is Christmas for you guys. So we, we celebrate all that sort of stuff and, um, they decided to attack us on the very first day of Easter, um, which obviously um, was really bad. I remember um, during during that war, basically they 
we were sitting on a we would go on a rooftop from my house and we would be um, sitting there and watching them uh, drop bombs um, on our airports, on the bridges, on the factories, on military bases, schools. Um, the only thing that did not bombard was hospitals. But everything else that one country needs functioning, um, they've destroyed. Uh, so, uh, and because, I, like I said, I'm from Montenegro, it used to be called Serbia and Montenegro. Um, and then they've, we've parted our waist, you know, and, and um, claimed in independence. Um, so we, as a Montenegro now, um, we kind of copped a little bit of less than what Serbia did. Um, in Belgrade, um, which is the capital of Serbia, they really, um, really, really caused a lot of damage and killed a lot of people, um, which is the saddest part about it. You know, we can rebuild bridges, we can, we can rebuild schools, we can rebuild all that, but we cannot bring the lives back. And unfortunately, we lost um, more than 2,000 lives. Um, and um, there was about 6,000 people that were injured um, in those 74 days, uh, which, um, is something we can never get back. And, um, it was quite traumatic, you know, we going to school, um, always kind of, you know, watching behind yourself, uh, watching above you, you know, waiting for something to happen, you know, uh, living in fear, um, is something that's definitely not a pleasant, pleasant thing to experience, especially being a child and something no child should really experience ever. No, definitely not. Hey, out of those 2,000 killed, 6,000 injured, do you, did you know any of them? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people um, that, I actually, that I knew um, from the 2,000 people that um, died. Um, and um, definitely I leave scars, you know, for, for a lifetime, um, unfortunately. And again, something... Um, no child should, you know, bear with them at that age, you know, um, you're supposed to be playing with your dolls uh, on a playground, you know, with your friends, riding bike, uh, you know, um, learning how to surf or, <laughs> um, all, all those good things. And unfortunately, um, um, I was kind of robbed of my childhood, um, uh, by, uh, by those people. Yeah, it's horrible. When you're sitting on top of that rooftop watching these bombs, were you scared that the bombs are actually going to fall on you guys? No, we, we, well, in a way, yes, but in a way, no, because you could see what's happening. You could see where the planes were flying and actually uh, one of the bases, one of the bases was actually kind of situated behind our house. So we, we knew that they're going to fly from there where, wherever they were going to go and they flew over our house and um, we knew that they were heading for the, um, for the uh, military base and one of the airports um, near capital uh, Podgorica, which is where I'm from. Um, and we could see directly, because it's only a small town, um, we could see, um, sorry, it's not a town, it's actually a city, but it's fairly small in comparison to what we've got here in Australia we could see clearly where they were heading and um, we kind of knew that they were, you know, it's not going to be anywhere near us, but we could hear it and we could see it um, <laughs> very clearly. So. Well, it's good that you knew that you were safe like, in, a, in a way. Yeah. It would have been yeah. dramatic. Like you can't, I can't even envision what that would have been like for you. 
no it's 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 really hard i mean saying it to you like this you know and then uh, describing these events it's it doesn't really portray the picture and, and i kind of don't want anybody to, to see this picture clearly um because like i said it's not a good one but it's it's really really hard it's it's you know I, I, talking about it now i can see it in front of my eyes just like i'm right there where i was you know all those years ago so do you ever um, get flashbacks uh sometimes you know some sometimes uh i, I don't know um how well you know but some some songs some smells some you know images uh sounds like that can remind us of of certain events memories bring out the old memories so yes sometimes you know different situations um can bring out the memories and and um if you mean flashbacks by that then definitely yes yeah that's exactly what i meant yeah can you tell me how you actually got out of montenegro and came to australia yeah so i basically um during all that time and and the war um when when it all started the first 74 those 74 days my my father my my parents actually split up when i was about just before that seven uh sorry i was 10 or 11 years old um and my father went to live with my stepmom at the time and she had two sons and the two of them saw that basically the whole country is is just going to go everything's going to go downhill because they ruined pretty much all of our economy and and everything that one country needs for functioning so they decided to that they needed to to get away somewhere and somehow you know get us kids out of there and do something about about our lives and our future so they went to um, bulgaria as immigrants and they lived there for um, about eight months and they yeah they had to do whatever they had to do you know to, to survive they've done all these jobs which have which they never had to do before you know um and they waited they applied for a visa to come to australia as refugees and after eight months they finally the visas got granted and my father my stepmom and two of her sons um came here now when my dad arrived here he arrived here with nothing you know just a suitcase you know no money no nothing he couldn't speak english um my stepmom could speak a little bit and um uh, the kids they couldn't speak either so but being a kid you know it's quite easy to learn a new language um your retention is a lot better than um, when you're an adult so um my father really struggled he had to do all these odd jobs like you know uh, being a cleaner even though he's a man who's you know got a school behind him um and um until he could learn the language and he had to meet all these criterias um like having a full-time job um having a house um which was quite hard for him to achieve because of the language barrier um so but he somehow after about three years of being here he managed to to achieve all those things um so he can actually bring us kids to australia now he could only bring the kids which were under 18 years of age and my there was three of us so my sister was three years older than me myself and my brother who's four years younger um yeah. when he applied for the visas for us he basically uh, i was 17 at the time um and by the time they approved them 
I literally turned, I was 18 in February, um, but I've arrived in Australia on the 13th of May in 2005. Um, and um, he, um, my father um, could not bring my older sister because she was over 18. So she was classed as an adult. And unfortunately, she was left behind with my mum. And then me and my younger brother came here, uh, like I said, on the 13th of May, um, which was quite important date for us uh, Serbians um, in our religion because on the 13th of May, um, one of our, it's called St. Basil of Ostrog. Uh, it's one of our most important saints. Um, it's um, There's a day when we celebrate him and um, he's based at one of the, quite major tourist attractions in Montenegro. Uh, it's monastery, which is situated against an almost vertical backdrop. Um, and um, it's called Monastery of Ostrog, which is uh, built just for him. So we, we, we kind of, um, we thought the fact that we got granted our visas and the fact that we arrived on this date in Australia, you know, it was kind of meant to be. And it was something, you know, um, that, God per se wanted us to, to happen on that specific date. Um, so uh, traveling to Australia was quite interesting for me and my younger brother. Um, it was the first time we were traveling on the plane. So we couldn't speak English. So it was quite, you know, we were, it was, even though I was 18, I was pretty much a kid, you know, uh, I'm quite scared of everything, intimidated, such a long trip, uh, going into the unknown, leaving half of my family behind, um, you know, my mum, my stepdad, my older sister, and then my mum was pregnant at the time with my baby sister. Um, so, uh, you know, leaving all the family, all your friends behind, jumping on the plane. Um, we boarded in Belgrade and then we, we travelled from Belgrade to Dubai, stopover in Dubai and then from Dubai um, to Perth. And it was actually uh, an interesting trip because my, when my dad booked us tickets, he arranged with this agency uh, who was owned by this Serbian lady, um, arranged that somebody will wait for us at the airport in Dubai to, to guide us where we needed to go to board on the gates just because we couldn't speak English. Um, but when we arrived in Dubai, absolutely nobody waited for us. <laughs> So we we just had to find our own way um, around around the airport and um, uh, yeah somehow board the plane uh, to Australia. So well, that's pretty insane. Um, it's hard enough getting around. Yes, <laughs> yes. Even even when you could speak, like even now I speak English, you know, and travel quite a lot. And going to a new airport even with it you know knowing english language and you can read the signs and understand what they mean sometimes it can be hard and you know being a kid being scared going through all these different traumas you know that that i went through it was quite quite intimidating but i do remember kind of i was expecting australia to be you know the first initial thing that i saw we were still in the plane and we were just hovering over perth and i guess we ended up seeing kind of all the little shrubs um, on the side, we didn't see the city because we were sitting on that side of the plane and there was nothing, there was no houses or anything like that. And me and my brother looked at each other and we, I just said to him, I said, 
where did we where did we come what is this this is even worse <laughs> than back home <laughs> come to the desert <laughs> yes that's what that's exactly what it looks like so um and my dad and his uh friend um igor they were waiting for us at the airport um and i'll never i'll never forget that day you know when we landed and saw our dad after all these years it was um it was quite emotional um reunion you know after after everything that we've been through so uh yeah it was it was really really um it was a great day for us really great day now that's pretty awesome hey so when you arrived in perth how did you go about like getting a job and all that type of stuff like getting into the community and learning the language must have been very hard as you said you couldn't speak english yeah yeah that's right aaron it was really really hard it was actually one of the hardest things in my life to be quite honest and even talking to you about it now I think I'm getting a little bit emotional because it just kind of brings those memories um of you know the hardship that you had to endure um before arriving here but then the hardship that I endured arriving in Australia um I, I, it feels like it was just as 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 bad you know um couldn't speak English so I was 18 at the time um, you know, quite heartbroken, the fact that I left, you know, everything behind me that I knew. Um, we had to, me and my brother, we both had to go. Uh, we went to uh, Aaron Moore Catley College, which is based in Leaderville here in Perth. And we, uh, they had an English school um, for all of the refugees and immigrants. Um, and we were immigrants. Um, so we basically... Um, had to go for eight months for eight months uh intensively just english school now i remember for the first month i would go to school every single day i would come back home and i would cry my eyes out because i could not understand a word of what the teacher was saying it was just it was just a noise but you know i was i was just listening to something i didn't even know what it meant absolutely no word whatsoever and about a month after a month of doing that intensively every single day it's like something clicked in your brain and and something like somebody you know got two wires connected all of a sudden i just all all that noise started making sense and and started you know um uh, i started understanding what she was saying i started understanding putting the words together what they meant um which was <laughs> kind of really really a great feeling to to experience you know after all you know all that month of struggle um and we basically ended up um learning you know i guess the basics you can say it i think we ended up finishing after those eight months um i ended up give, being given a certificate of uh, intermediate level um, of english um and after that i I kind of wondered what I wasn't sure what to do. Mind you, I did forget to say that when I was back in Montenegro after finishing primary school, um, I studied, I went to study to be a midwife at medical school of Montenegro. Um, and um, because my passion always lied with helping, you know, people and, and um, I guess, you know, being around people. So, um, yeah, uh, coming here, they would not recognize any of my qualifications at the time. Um, and I was kind of heartbroken, you know, because if you study so hard for about four years, um, you 
you know, you kind of don't want to redo it again. And in order to redo it here, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even redo it to be quite honest with time, Aaron, because my English, uh, it was just the basic that I knew how to speak. I could not speak like I speak now with you. So, um, I decided one of my family friends, um, basically tried to push me to, to go and study and she said oh maybe you can go and study something to do with mining so I said yeah no worries I'll try if it's not hard and it was this uh, short course at TAFE mining exploration so I enrolled in that and studied that um, but I've never worked in a field in the meantime while I was studying that I managed to get a first job with my English at the time um, at KFC and it was quite close to home. So I worked at KFC the whole time that I was studying that. Uh, once I finished studying um, that, I went back home for the first time. So I was here for two years before I went back home for the first time. I went back home for about, I was there for eight months, come back to Australia. And one of my friends who was working at the hotel as a chef, she managed to get me a job um, as a porter which was, you know, the person that obviously carries all the luggage and all that sort of stuff. So I was working as a porter and at the hotel started my um, career, I guess, in, in hospitality. From there, moved on to the receptionist, moved on to manager on duty, and then all the way through to the manager um, of the hotel. So that was um, something I've never done in my life, never thought I'll be doing, but um, I was, that was kind of the very first important job that I've done uh, since I since arriving in Australia yeah that's pretty cool so, it's pretty high up there like working your way up to the manager and stuff like that obviously in charge of a group of people on that yeah yeah it's it's um you know I had to I started at the bottom and just worked my way to the top you know worked really hard um, I've always had my whole life I still do you know it's something I'm not afraid of so um yeah yeah I actually really enjoyed it and and uh, that's kind of how I managed to get into the mining industry, um, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah. So you're doing training and assessing now. Are you, are you enjoying that? Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, training and assessing, I really, um, like, um, I've always, like I said, I always like working with people and, um, I managed to get into mining industry and I have been mining for um, over 10 years now and um, I love I love I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to to work um, I take my job quite seriously um, you know outside job I'm a bit of a joker I like to have a laugh but when it comes to work I take it quite seriously so I always like to pass on you know the, the correct knowledge onto people um, and and teach them you know how to do things the right way so um, yeah, especially in the industry that I work with, it's quite important to do things the right way because it comes down to, you know, safety of yourself and others around you. So unless you do it the right way, um, you know, you're kind of putting yourself and others at risk. So, um, yeah, I'm quite passionate about that. Well, it's, yeah, it's definitely a pretty dangerous job we do. You drive around those big trucks. If, yeah, if you fall asleep or if you stuff up, it can definitely kill someone. Hey, we yeah. might touch on the St. John's ambulance before we run out of time. I know. Yeah. I know you said you studied midwifery, if I said that right. Yes. Um, did that help you get into St. John Ambulance? Uh, yeah. So I basically I was chasing, like I said, I chased the mining job and 
I moved to Newman and uh, I missed, I missed so much working with people. I missed so much helping people, you know, giving, giving to people. Um, and I, uh, once I was in Newman, I basically joined um, St. John Ambulance um, so I can um, help people. And I have to say, having knowledge, you know, I studied for four years in medical school, um, definitely helps uh, once you, you know, once you um, join the ambulance um, because, you know, you have so much to bring to the table um, in terms of knowledge where somebody that didn't study, um, some of the people do get trained on a job, um, but they, you know, they're not classed as paramedics, they're just officers. But there's a difference, you know, in, in terms of what you can do, what sort of, you know, medicine you can ad administer um, and uh, what sort of stuff, you know, you can do to help people in, in, once you're in the field. So, uh, and I guess you know St John Ambulance is quite it's a slightly different from you know midwifery midwifery is just one job you know what, what's going to happen each and every time almost um but St John Ambulance there's a variety of jobs so very very different um in in regards to that yeah it can be a very interesting job doing the St John's Ambulance and as you said it's always changing so obviously we you know car crashes you got people having a heart attack so yeah definitely will change it all the time Yes, it's it's interesting, you know. Um, it's uh, I mean, it's great if you can help people because it's quite rewarding knowing that you've helped somebody that you've saved a life. Um, you don't always get to do that, and that's kind of that's the downside of it. But I guess all those times that you do help people makes up for all those times that you don't. So, yeah, definitely. Hey, do you reckon you'll end up writing a book on your life? You're a pretty interesting life. <laughs> Definitely, uh, it's something. It's something I actually always wanted to do, um, and I I would love to actually, you know, t tell my story uh, in in more details uh, uh, rather than just you know a short conversation like what we're having now, um, and be kind of really specific. So um, yeah, I, I would love to. And I kind of started writing a book, but um, <laughs> having uh, being so busy with work and few studies outside work it's kind of a little bit of mission impossible at the moment but definitely yes yeah it definitely takes a lot of time and effort to write a book and yeah Mark, yes. um thank you very much for coming on the show so did you have fun yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me i really appreciate your time and um yeah you're absolutely a great host i love it uh, thank you very much and yeah you got an amazing story can't wait for the book well, yeah, that's a wrap. I'd like to thank Serb again for coming on the show. And I would like to thank you, the listener, for listening. Please tell a friend about the podcast and have a fantastic day. All right, bye. Bye.